0: Hey, everyone. This is Dr. Chalam. Today's podcast, I will tell you, is a little offbeat because I'm talking to Dr. Roberts, not about adults, but more about children. She's the author of Building a Healthy Child. And let me tell you, she gives you the most fascinating tips on how you can build a healthy child right from before you have them. So, If you're a young woman planning on a pregnancy, this is the conversation you want to listen to. If you're a woman having young children, this is the conversation you want to listen to. So here's what I would say. Not only listen to this conversation, make sure you share this with other young women planning a pregnancy, planning a family or having young kids. It is absolutely mind blowing the information. And once again, as always, make sure you download the podcast, share it with someone else, and don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel where the video of this podcast is available. Once again, thank you so much for those of you who have been supporting us. I am looking forward to your feedback on this conversation. Take care. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Women Wired for Wellness. I'm your host, Dr. Nisha Chellam. Today, I have Dr. Melina Roberts, and this is going to be a different angle to our podcast. As you can see, I'm trying to reach out to different people who can give us a wholesome approach to health. This is going to be about little kids, which really is not something that I do as a living, but I, I, I will say, Little kids' lives are really impacted by the adults who uh, surround them. So this is going to be a very interesting topic as to, um, for you to understand what is the impact you have on the next generation. Dr. Melina Roberts is a naturopathic doctor, and I'm going to, for those of you watching the video, I'm going to read out her bio. So sorry if my eyes are looking somewhere else. She's also the author of Building a Healthy Child and Clinical Director of Advanced Naturopathic Medical Center in Calgary. She's recognized as one of the top biological medical practitioners in North America and is a lecturer for the, is it called Paracillus? Paracelsus Clinic. Paracelsus Academy. Academy. She is a leading authority in the field of naturopathic medicine specializing in biological medicine effectively treating digestive issues chronic disease and cancer and she's a graduate of University of Waterloo and the Canadian College of Naturopathic Medicine in Toronto. So welcome, thank you so much Dr. Roberts for reaching out to us So before we get started into that, could you just explain what biological medicine is?
1: Yeah, so um, it it really does overlap very much with naturopathic medicine and with uh, functional medicine and integrative medicine. Um, But the concept behind it is that, first of all, that our bodies have this innate ability to be able to heal itself. and which is what we really recognize, but what we wanna be doing um, in terms of, when you look at it from a biological point of view, we look at two different things. We look at terrain, and we look at this concept of self-regulation. So what we wanna do is we wanna set up an environment that allows the body to properly heal. So what we wanna do is we wanna set up terrain. So terrain is the area that your cells live in. And so in order for your cells to be healthy, they need a healthy environment to live in. So the concept of terrain that I love to use is that if you have a plant that is um, unhealthy, what you do is you change the soil that the plant is in, and that will help the plant to regain its health Um, If you change the soil to a healthier soil that has all of the nutrients and minerals that that plant needs, and that will help the plant to flourish. So that's what we want to do within our bodies is that we want to actually change the body's terrain. So that's one major concept. And the other one is the concept of self-regulation. So all of our organs, systems, cells in our body have these self-regulating systems where they're able to self-regulate and self-heal themselves. So They're able to adapt to stressors that are affecting it. So some of those different stressors can be food sensitivities, immune challenges, heavy metals, environmental toxins, everything emotional, everything physical. So I call it the six stressors on the body. And what can happen is that when those stressors are on our system, they can be affecting how well our body's able to self-regulate or adapt to, um, adapt. Adapt, And if it's not able to properly adapt, then it's not able to properly heal itself. So what we're doing is we are working on identifying and removing those stressors and then allowing the body to be able to self-regulate. And one of the analogies that I like to use in terms of explaining self-regulation is that, you know, if your body is in a cold environment, then Mm -hmm. your body will shiver right? Mm-hmm. In order to self-regulate. And if Correct. your body is put in a hot environment, then you will sweat. So this is, these are different regulatory systems within our body and every system, every cell, every tissue of our body should be able to do these self-regulating systems. So that's the, the concept is terrain and self-regulation is mm-hmm. the concept behind um, biological medicine.
0: Perfect. So you just give us a little background history on what made you, because most naturopaths, um, they learn the same things as a, a traditional MD does, except that the um, my understanding is you're looking at a more natural approach for the treatment of the diseases. What you're doing is a little different is you're looking at what does the soil need um, or like what is this uh, need for this fish to survive and also why is the fish not responding what is the self regulation that's being disrupted and why is it disrupted so that's a little deeper you're like deep diving into that what got you interested in that and how does um uh, how, how does one find a physician like that
1: Um, So my story is that like when I was at the naturopathic college in my second year in school, my dad was actually diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. Mm. And so I just started diving into the research and trying to figure out different therapies in order to help treat my dad's cancer. And I was just amazed by how much information there was out there in terms of treating cancer. Mm -hmm. Um, Unfortunately, I wasn't able to save my dad. We just didn't have enough time because my dad passed away like nine short months later. Um, But that started my road of research into natural therapies. And then when I graduated, I'd heard that there was this clinic, um, and I was, I I was living in Toronto at the time that there was a clinic in Toronto that was actually having a lot of success in treating cancer. Mm. And so I went to, I went to this clinic and I actually joined the clinic and I was trying to figure out what are they doing differently than what I learned in school, um, In order to help treat cancer and what they were doing was something called biological medicine and he was trained by a doctor in switzerland and so i decided i i needed to learn everything that he learned (laughs) and so i went and did some specialized training in biological medicine so that i could um be a better practitioner and be able to bring this to my patients and bring all of this information. So that's how I really ended up in biological medicine was, um, was really, um, I'd say because of my dad and because of his story and his history, um, I wanted to learn about how to treat cancer effectively and it kind of led me on a road to biological medicine. Yeah, so
0: really when you look at it, when you look at the terrain, the body, you want to start taking care of it as early as possible. And yes. there's no better time than, and most people will be willing to invest the time and money in trying to get the kids to that point. So let's say someone is listening to it and they have a child that's struggling, whether it be behavioral issues or eczema or asthma. You know, these are all childhood diseases, which we all know comes from something going on with the terrain and the regulatory mechanisms are actually might be causing those symptoms. And when we try to treat those diseases, we're actually trying to suppress the regulatory mechanisms and we probably need to get to the problem with the terrain. So how, does, uh, uh, how would you explain it to a parent what they need to be doing for their child? How, where do they even begin? Because, you know, I'm sure when somebody has asthma, it's, it's like drowning, and a child particularly has asthma. They're going to run to the ER, and they go through these several cycles of even eczema. You go through several cycles of dermatologists, ointments, and other stuff, and then behavioral, it's almost like you resist medications. Eventually, you give them a medicine, and suddenly the child is completely a new kid, and then you start doing the medicine, still, so that medicine fails. So for a mother who, or father who's listening to this and has no... Uh, other knowledge other than the fact that they've gone to their doctors and each time they get the treatment, the child gets better, but then problem comes back again. How would you help them look at this in a different way?
1: Yeah, and what I've really learned um, in treating, um, really it started with just treating a lot of cancer and chronic disease is that everything in terms of health begins in the gut. And that's what, um, that's what I really started to figure out was that, okay, um, we need, like, no matter what people are coming in with, I need to work on healing their digestive tract in order to get their systems back in balance. So, and I really always just explain how that gut and um, how their symptom, symptoms relate to their gut because I know patients will often come in and be like, but I don't have any gut issues. Yeah. Um, and why are, we, why are we doing, say, these diet changes and balancing of the microbiome if, um, if my issue is, say, eczema or asthma or yeah. allergies? And I always explain how it's really rooted in the gut and that um, I think it's important for people to understand that 80% of our immune system is actually housed in our gut Mm -hmm. and that there is a big, in terms of, you know, like we talk about barriers, but our barrier on the outside is our skin, but our barrier... To the outside world on the inside of us is our digestive tract, right from our mouth to our anus. Um, is that digestive tract? It's that barrier to the outside world. And that barrier needs to be really strong in order for us to uh, be able to properly self regulate, in order for us to properly heal. And some of those barriers that play a big role is our microbiome. So that's that ecosystem of bacteria and fungus that live within our digestive tract. And that needs to be in a nice balance and it has to have great diversity in order for us to be healthy. And then the digestive tract, so the lining of our digestive tract needs to be fully intact in order for that to play a good barrier. Now the challenge is that um, even in order for us to get any of those allergies or eczema or asthma, it means that those barriers have been broken down and just inside of that lining of our digestive tract is our immune cells. what is happening is that we've had a breakdown of the microbiome, we've had a breakdown of the barrier, the lining of the digestive tract. And what's happened is that immune system has now been overwhelmed. And now that immune system is not functioning the way it should be. So then we are getting Um, an allergy picture or an eczema picture or an asthma picture, right? So these are all because our barriers have been broken down. So what I really educate patients on is that we need to start with healing the gut. And our first step to healing the gut is uh, what I call putting out the fire. So we need to remove major inflammatory foods. Um, so we got to put out the fire in order for us to do any sort of healing. And the analogy I love to use with my patients is that if you have a house that is burning down in order for you to repair that house, you first have to put out the fire and then you can rebuild that house. So, um, so what those inflammatory foods are, are those are gluten, cows, dairy, and refined sugar. So that's my starting point with parents is to remove those inflammatory foods. And what I like to do in terms of those recommendations is I usually just, we just swap one out with the other. So we take out, um, So say someone is just used to eating whole wheat pasta all the time, then we just swap it out for like a rice or quinoa pasta. So we just do a little swap. So it just makes it really easy at the beginning, even though I know that sometimes those foods aren't completely nutrient dense, but those just make it an easy swap at the beginning. And then what we want to do is we want everyone in the family to be making these same diet changes. Because I don't like to just, um, I think it doesn't work very well if we just have one kid who makes that change, whereas brother and sister are still eating eating. Uh, you know the regular food that they've been eating previously and mum and dad are still eating you know the weed and the dairy and the sugar and this one kid has to follow the plan so i always find that it's best for the whole whole family to make that change and when we make that change then I find that the whole family starts to get healthier. So so that's that's our starting point is educating and then making these simple changes and that's actually the starting point to, to getting kids back on track.
0: Yeah, I totally agree with you about the fact that the family has to change. That's number one. Yeah. Number two, changing diet can be like asking somebody to change your religion. Yeah. You have to have like a belief in it. Yeah. And I think the biggest stumbling blocks to kids getting healthy are actually the adults that they, li- whom they live with. And um, in fact, we had a family, very uh, adorable family, but they just couldn't survive any changes it was too overwhelming and sometimes it's just they're not ready so that's why we do podcasts like this so people understand this is something that has been known for some time and our food is also changed a lot I mean whole wheat sounds great because if you stand in a pediatrician's office the pediatrician is telling the mother make sure you give him a glass of milk every day right? That is the advice they're getting. And then they come to somebody like you or me and we're telling them, no, no milk and no more milk. And it's like, what, how does he grow? What is going to help his bones? And this is where I think, um, understanding that first of all, milk does not, is not the highest source of calcium of the foods. So there's so much education that needs to go into that. Um, and also realizing what is the net result of all these changes. So that's the second part, which becomes troublesome, right? So you have a child that's been struggling with all these issues for, say, seven years. And the mother is being told or the father has being told, go to this naturopath and you'll feel better. And now you're having them change and they actually make those changes. How soon do you expect? them to see results because that's where the problem comes when you really look at it right we're so used to going to the er taking a puff of a medication or an IV or a drug and feeling remarkable in 13 minutes and now you're asking me to change all these things that i love when do i expect to see some response
1: yeah and it's yeah and i really agree with you on on all of those points um i find that uh, i you know when people ask me what's the toughest part about treating kids and to me the toughest part about treating kids is um, educating their parents <laughs> Absolutely, and, and the kids the kids who are the easiest for me to treat are the ones who their parents um, were patients of mine before those kids were born, <laughs> mm-hmm. and then and then they're already on board with those those diet changes. I find that um, that's that's the challenge point. Now, in terms of uh, educating uh, parents, it's it's like yeah, it's really uh, teaching them that we're not just looking for um, improvements in terms of those symptoms, but we also are going to be looking at um, some other factors. So one of the big ones that I talk in terms of when we see changes in diet um, is looking at bowel movements, because this is something that will tell me whether their gut health is actually improving. Mm. And, um, and so you know, we're we're actually trying to normalize it. I like it to be normal in households where people actually look at their poo, tell me what it looks like, tell me how often they're moving it, um, so that we get a better idea and a better picture in terms of what's going on with their systems. Um, I think that that's that's a big part. So then, so then. Um, intent like so then we can actually start to see those changes when they're making those diet changes you know you can start to see that change over even the first month of seeing them you see those diet changes so you might not see a complete resolution in terms of um, their asthma or their allergies or their eczema but you can actually start to see um, those bowels change, and when you start to see that, then we know we're on the right track to them actually starting to heal. Um, you know, timelines are so challenging in terms of kids, but I do find that kids um, they're they typically um, get better a lot quicker than adults. So mm-hmm. you know, sometimes you can see resolutions happening in like three to six months
0: yes i agree with you and you know those are the the i think the most important point in that is as a parent you have to come in with that open mind yeah. that what you're doing currently is not working and when you're coming to asking for a different approach change comes with challenge and are you ready to take on that challenge because you know at the end of it the results are going to be something that you will be proud of, and the results are gonna be something that you actually wanted. So I think uh, coming with that mentality is extremely important. So when someone comes to you with, um, particularly with kids, now you started your journey because you wanted to know more about how do you uh, help somebody who has cancer. Uh, When, uh, I just want to shift gears a little, when you have somebody with cancer, this is something, it's a pet peeve of mine. I have people who call me and say, I've been diagnosed with cancer. Um, I want to be treated naturally. Is that the time to actually look for natural treatments? Do you ask them um, to actually do their conventional treatment and then also rebuild the terrain? How do you approach somebody with cancer?
1: Yeah, it, it gets challenging. It's definitely, um, it's definitely. Um, a a challenging time, right? I, in an ideal world, you know, it's it's why I wrote my book. It's right, right, like the time to start is right from the beginning. It's it's it makes it a lot harder when when people are coming in with you know um, stage four cancer. Yeah, um, but um, like I find that the the patients who do the, the best are the patients who truly believe in what they're doing so whether they are doing um conventional therapies um and and we are just supporting them with some um some complementary medicine or whatever we want to call it these days um or if they want to do like we we can do like aggressive basically natural therapies uh, for patients but whichever route they decide to choose Um, they need to like wholeheartedly believe that this is the answer to treating their systems. And then, and then we go at it in full, full force. Um, Yeah. So it's, it really comes down to the patients. What I'm always trying to do is just educate them that there's options because a lot of people don't even realize that there's options when it comes to cancer care. They just think, you know, um, my only option is the conventional approach and, and, and that's not true at all that, um, you know, we can actually increase and, um, improve results when we do, um, especially like we can, when we do them in combination, right. So, uh, we, there's, you know, like even just simple stuff. Um, so surprising that it doesn't make it out to the big public is that, is that, you know, like if you're, if you, if you fast before chemotherapy, um, the day of chemotherapy and days after chemotherapy you actually increase the effectiveness of that chemo agent and you decrease side effects why isn't that being told by oncologists that's research that's been done in scientific journals it's relatively easy to follow um and and you're going to get better results right so you know there's there's things that we could be doing to really help improve patients' um, patients' lives. Yeah, yeah. Because a lot of times, and we've discussed this
0: in our podcast in the past, where chemo's effectiveness is really increased for that 72-hour window. And in fact, I think Dr. Valto Longo has created the prolonged Diet because based on that, saying at least try to mimic a fasting yeah. Yeah, And so we can try and get that um, effect. But we live in such an abundant world. Our yeah. food is such a huge part. In fact, um, I, I'm sure you've heard this before where patients will call me and say, you know, I've been having diarrhea and nausea and I can't even eat a piece of chicken. And I'm like, why are you trying to stuff a piece of chicken when your body is saying it doesn't want anything right now? That we almost lose logic when it comes mm-hmm. to food so really one of the things that um i'm getting from this conversation which i don't like i said kids are not like um a good majority of my practice though i do have a few of them you really want to start very early a good portion our approach is let's look at the terrain and let's look at the regulatory actions of your body Uh, You want to address the immune system and the best way to address the immune system is the gut because that's your connection to the outside world. That's the one that every day we are bombarding with food, what we eat. And just making those minimal changes will give you a lasting um, impact, impactful results. But understanding how to do that in a systematic way is where people like you and me come in right how do i go through this journey of wellness and kids particularly respond so quickly to this Mm -hmm. that give them a chance give them a chance to have a healthy life and so this is really should be uh, an appeal to parents saying you know don't um If we think medications that go through the same system, right? You're putting it through your mouth and it's going through the same barrier. If you believe that works, the same food that you put through that is probably going to help you or hurt you. Why not give it a try to eat foods that we know will actually nourish your health? Um, Am I getting that as, um, as an overview of what we
1: have discussed so far? For sure. Like, I, yeah, I do think that your food is your medicine, right? Your food is giving your body so much information. It's the building block of all of your cells. Um, you know, when you're absorbing it, it's building every system and every cell in our body. And we have to be really aware that in order for us to build health, that we need to be um, eating and giving your body the proper building blocks to build that health. So yeah, I think food is foundation.
0: Awesome. Is there um, something that you wish we had discussed but we have not?
1: Um, well, I can. Um, I don't know if we're in a time constraint, but nope. I no. Go can, ahead. <laughs> our can our podcast you. can go.
0: I've had a podcast that was two hours long. So go
1: ahead. Okay. Well, I can tell you, um, like. I'll tell you about um, some of the stuff that I came across in terms of um, why I wrote my book. And and sure. I think that that will kind of give you a little bit of background into to how I developed my program. And one of the things is that, um, is that what I was learning, so first of all, in terms of my personal story, you know, like I had, my dad was diagnosed with cancer, and then I was really focused on treating cancer in my in my practice and then and then I became pregnant and I was like oh I want to make sure and what I learned when I was treating chronic disease was that I need to be healing the gut and Mm -hmm. I was thinking well is there a way for me to be able to build her gut health properly right from the beginning and so that's where I dived into the research and really tried to figure out, is this possible? And one of the things I learned was that that microbiome, so the, that flora that lines the gut, the, that ecosystem of bacteria and fungus, um, that it um, doesn't, well, it, you build the foundation of that gut flora between birth and age three. And so we have a small window of opportunity to build that gut flora correctly from the beginning. And, you know, some of the ways that that gut flora is built is by um, the way that babies are birthed. So what we know is that a baby who has a vaginal delivery has a very different gut flora than a baby who has a C-section, so ideal, if we have the option, I know that you have to do C-sections in certain situations. Um, it's life-saving for sure. But, um, but we want to make sure that if we can, if we have the option that we want to have it as a vaginal birth. And then the other way that um, continuing to build that microflora is through our um, being breastfed. Because what we know is that a breastfed baby versus a formula fed baby have very different um, microbiomes. So what we want to do is if we have the option that we want to breastfeed babies, and then how that microbiome continues to um, grow and develop is that it is, um, is how we um, introduce foods. So it's really the environment. So how we introduce foods, and that's what my book is based on, is how do we introduce foods in line, how do we introduce foods that help to build that microbiome? The second thing that was based on in in terms of um, what the information that I found was that our organs, first of all, they start to develop Um, in utero, so in mom's belly, and then those organs reach full maturation at different stages outside the body. Mm -hmm. So the information I came across was that our pancreas does not reach full maturation till two years of age. Mm -hmm. So the pancreas is what releases the enzymes to help break down grains. So we should not be introducing grains until at least two years of age. And what's the food that most people are introducing as a first food is most people are introducing cereals as a first food. And this is one of the worst things that we could be doing and recommending to our babies and like for new moms, new moms and dads to be introducing to their babies is cereals. So this is where the conversation really needs to change because we do not, or our babies do not have the enzymes to break down those grains until two years of age. So we need to be introducing vegetables and healthy fats and um clean proteins before we introduce those grains. And then the third concept um, that my book is based on is that since the beginning of time, our bodies have been hardwired to break down real food, Um, not man-made, chemically latent, pesticide-filled, Um, processed foods. And that's what we tend to be feeding our kids. We tend to be feeding our kids cereals and like even pastas and foods that just are packaged foods that are really just man-made and they have very little nutritional value. So we need to be feeding our kids real food. So Um, and this is something that we talked about a bit earlier, is that mom and dad need to be eating really um, healthy because they need to be good role models for our kids. Because the better mom and dad can eat, then kids can see that that. And then that's what, you know, that modeling of healthy eating is what kids will gravitate towards. So that's, yeah, those are the concepts that it's all based
0: on. You know, this is, this is so, that's such an important concept. The very first one that you spoke of is when the baby's in the mother's womb, it's health history begins. And in functional medicine, which is what I do, a lot of our history taking is, tell me a little about how your mother's health was when she was carrying you. And um, that's so impactful. You know, mother was struggling with depression or anxiety or had irritable bowel. And then the child has colic and struggling with eczema very early in life. So I think, number one, before you get pregnant, especially if you're struggling with infertility, fix the gut. And um, number two, I think the next concept you said is like the child's organs are still growing. And so don't feed it adult and processed foods. But give it, like Michael Pollan, who writes a lot about food, says, eat foods from a plant, but not made in a plant. Yeah. And yes, a lot of, yeah, so right? So. A lot of these foods are made in a plant, including cold cut meats, in my opinion, are probably not great foods that you should be giving um, kids. And then the third, uh, the last concept is, um, what did I, I, I forget, what did you say? I Was think you've
1: intertwined those, but yeah, it's, yeah, it's eating, eating real food. Real food. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So
0: one was to give it, uh, yeah, I think those two (laughs) concepts is like understanding that the child's organs are still developing and certain foods are not appropriate for it very early. And especially why do moms give cereal or moms or dads give cereal to kids because they, that's what is marketed to them. Yeah. Yeah. And and that's why it's important to understand who's giving you that advice and really try to, understand there are different options. Um, I I can't tell you how um, this information is going to be so valuable. So once again, to let us know the name of your book for those who might be interested in getting that. It's um, you said building a healthy, building building a healthy child, building a healthy child. I think it's as simple as that building a healthy (laughs) child and where can they actually find you if they want to learn a little
1: more about yeah. So the best place to find me is my website, which is advanced naturopathic.com. And um, in terms of social media, the place where I hang out the most would be on Instagram. And my handle there is Dr. Melina Roberts. And um, I'm always sharing lots of health information on that page. And um, it's a great place to follow me. Awesome. That's really
0: great. Thank you again. I think this information will be very valuable for a lot of people. And again, once again, guys, as you listen to this, make sure if you're watching it on YouTube, you subscribe to the channel, share this information with someone. If you're a grandmother, and because a lot of people who follow me are usually over the age of 50, if you have grandkids, this is a great gift to give to your children so they can get to see what needs to happen for them to have healthy... uh, just build a healthy child, right, from, from your womb. So thank you once again, Dr. Roberts. I, I really
1: enjoyed this conversation. Thank you, Anisha. This has been great. This has been a lot of fun. Bye. Bye.